You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 40. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 40. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started today, I want to give a little shout out to Jammies1022, who left me a review on iTunes, and I never got a chance to thank you. She writes, practical ideas moms can use right away. Tori has so much wisdom. I love that she challenges our tendency to over-mom our teens at times and encourages us to bring some of that love back to ourselves. Wow, that just totally made my day, and I just wanted to thank you so much. It is so nice to hear, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, all you super moms out there. I hope you're enjoying the fall weather. We got a little change in weather, and the sweaters are coming out, getting a little chilly. Kind of a nice time of year, I think. All the fall sports are underway, but... Love is in the air here on the Supermom Podcast. And so we are going to start with a question about a dating daughter. Andrea writes, Dear Tori, my 14-year-old girl, she is our oldest, is a freshman. She's been talking to a boy who seems very nice and respectful for over a month. They are in a big group of friends together. I need help with boundaries. They now want to meet downtown and hang out. I was fine with them hanging out in a big group, but now I feel more nervous about them getting together by themselves. Is this anywhere on your blog or podcast? I searched and did not find anything. Thank you so much. Well, Andrea, I'm glad you wrote in because I don't know that we have talked about dating daughters. So my first answer, that parent education answer is kind of the clarifying and giving some information. And I think it would be helpful to start by clarifying the difference between rules, values, and boundaries. They are often used interchangeably in parenting, and I was wondering why that is. I think because some of us don't like the idea of giving rules to our kids. You know, it's like, feels harsh, it doesn't feel appropriate or something. And so we call it boundaries, but I think we should differentiate between those three things. Boundaries are decisions you make inside your own head to protect yourself. I have a personal boundary, an agreement that I've made with myself that if someone yells at me, I will walk away and I will remove myself. Yelling feels like a personal attack to me. Some people are yellers, right? Like that's normal for their culture. That's how they communicate. I had a neighbor who's, there was always yelling coming out of that house. It it was just felt like part of who they were as a family. But for me, I don't like it. I'm not going to tell anybody else that they shouldn't yell. I'm just deciding inside my head what I will do if someone yells at me. People can yell as much as they want. It's just that every time they direct it at me, I'm going to remove myself. So you'll often hear people demand that someone else respect their boundary. 
right? So like I watch a lot of reality TV. (laughs) So you might hear a lot of women on reality TV saying like, he needs to learn to respect my boundaries. Well, that's kind of misusing the word because it's not anybody else's job to respect your boundary. It's yours. It's your job. So if I have a boundary that I don't work on Sundays and my boss calls me to ask a quick question, it's my job to respect my boundary and not reply until Monday. Or I can choose how I want to respond to that. I can text back and say, you know, I'll get back to you tomorrow. This is my day off. But it's the boss can contact me as much as they want on Sundays. It's up to me to decide that this is a boundary that I have set for myself and my own health, my own well-being as a personal protection. So setting a boundary is deciding what action step you will take and for your own kind of self-protection. So Andrea says that she needs help with boundaries, but I think what she's really looking for are rules and values. So let's get into those. Rules are established by an authority figure and or agreed upon by a group. It could be an unspoken rule, written or unwritten. So I have rules in my house that hold true for anybody that enters. In my home, there is no name calling. There's no hitting or hurting intentionally. In my home, you need to get yourself up in the morning. I am not going to be waking you up and dragging you out of bed. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are. You're, you're on your own. Uh, whoever does laundry gets to keep the cash they find in the dryer. That is a rule that I made up. Uh, when my kids were little, I had a rule saying they must wear clothes to the dinner table. And that's true for anybody and everybody that comes into my home. So I think of these as like house rules. They can be written and you can post them on their on the fridge. But generally speaking, over time, these become unwritten, just kind of obvious rules that everybody agrees to. So rules are very clear. Now, what's funny, I did a Facebook Live about rules. Well, the difference between boundaries and rules and values. And what I noticed is as I was talking about it, my voice changed. When I'm talking about boundaries, I was very clear, but like soft and easy. And like, if you yell at me, I'm not going to yell back. I'm going to walk away. It's no big deal. And then when I changed to talk about rules, I noticed that my voice got really clear, precise. It got deeper. And I started talking about rules because rules are very like cut and dry. They are consistent and you will follow through with 100% predictability. My little teacher yard duty voice came out when I started talking about rules. Now, kids like rules, as long as there isn't too many of them, because they like to know what's expected of them. Kids like to be able to blame their parents' rules if they feel they are getting into a situation that they aren't ready for. And so by this, I'm kind of talking about teenage Little kids like rules, but teenagers also like rules. And even if they don't obey them, they still kind of like to have it because the kids and teens' brains think in black and white terms. You might hear them say things like, if my dad said He's, if he finds me vaping, he'll take my phone away, right? So this way, the kid doesn't have to say, I don't really want to vape because that makes me nervous. But if they say, oh, my dad will take my phone away if he finds out that I vaped, they like to defer to their parents and say, you know, he's the bad guy. I'm not actually making a decision based on my own values here, but I'm going to make up this rule. Even if dad has said or hasn't said it, the kids might make one up. 
So sometimes it's helpful for kids to have a rule that parents give them saying, I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend until I'm 16, or my parents will kill me if I do drugs. You know, you're going to notice if you can overhear kids in conversation, you'll, they'll make up rules that you never actually said. You're like, I have to get straight A's or else. You're like, I never said that. I don't care if they get straight A's. Or like, that'll kill me if I cut class. You're thinking, where do you get that from? So kids will sometimes uh, put rules on us if we don't have them really clearly. Not that you should make a rule saying, I will kill you if you cut class. I'm not sure I recommend that one. But just keep in mind that rules, clear-cut, black-and-white rules, kids tend to like having them. They feel very tangible to them. I like the rule that you can date one up and one down. You can date someone who's one year older and one year younger than you, but that's it. <laughs> so little things like that that are very tangible for kids to hold on to. As adults, we recognize that the world is nuanced and situational, lots of shades of gray, but kids, they like to think in black and white terms. So find some rules that you can stick to with conviction and follow 100% of the time. Really be careful not to make rules that you cannot keep, because if you cannot keep to the rules that you made up with conviction 100% of the time, your kids are going to learn to disregard your authority. And so you don't want to have a lot of rules. You just want them to be really clear, consistent, and be really convicted around them. So it could be something like cheat on your test, lose video game privileges for the year. If you think you can uphold that, go ahead. For the month, for the day, whatever thing you can uphold with 100% conviction, make sure that's the one you choose, okay? If you think, I can't take away video games for the whole year, then don't say it. Don't choose it as your rule. Maybe always keep your location turned on on your phone so that I can know where you are. That's a rule that you could have. If I ever see you text and drive, you will lose car privileges for the month. There's a rule that kids can kind of stick in their brain. You need to be home by 11 o'clock, p.m., period, whatever. Uh, no sex until you're at least 18 years old. No alcohol will be served to a minor in my house ever. Short, easy, clear, and consistent. If you find... Over time, you set some rules and you find that they aren't working, you can change them. <laughs> it's not like you're locking yourself in forever. So I think a lot of times parents hesitate to set rules because they're like, well, I don't want her to feel like this is, you know, a deal breaker. But no, kids are going to push back. They just sometimes need something to push back against, you know? And so if you say no dating until you're 16 and then they meet a boy at 14 and they're in love, they can come and talk to you. Hopefully you've shown them that you're open enough to hear hearing their opinion. They can argue the rules. No problem there. Okay. They just like to have like a little snippet of a rule so they can kind of hold on as tangible just in case they aren't ready. Let's say that your 14 year old isn't ready to date a boy. She can use that as an excuse. Does that make sense? Okay. Moving on. If Andrea's daughter is wanting to hang out downtown with a boy, the most relevant rules might be something like don't shoplift or keep your phone and location services on, right? 
there isn't really a lot of rules for hanging out downtown other than like, don't jaywalk. (laughs) But if you feel strongly that your daughter shouldn't be alone in public with a boy, you could make that a rule, but I highly doubt that's what you want to do. It's pretty unrealistic. You could, though, have a rule that your teenager isn't allowed to be alone in her bedroom with a boy at all. Or you could say, you're not allowed to close the door in your bedroom with a boy. The door has to be remained open. Something like that. A rule like that would be easier for you to uphold. Although, (laughs) did you know when most teenagers have sex for the first time? is between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. in their own bed, in their own bedroom. So oftentimes, those hours aren't supervised by parents because they're busy working. Keep that in mind. But I think what's really coming up for Andrea here isn't rules. I don't know that she, maybe she can think of a rule to give her daughter, but I think what's really bothering her is values. I think this one, it needs attention. So I think Andrea doesn't really know what her values are around dating. She hasn't had a chance to kind of get real clarity on them. So values are something that you hold as important to you. Values change over time and differ from person to person. When you were 14, your highest value may have been to be popular. Now, as a mom, it might be keeping your children safe. I think what's happening is Andrea doesn't know what her values are around her daughter's dating. She said this, she, that this 14-year-old daughter is her oldest, and I could have guessed that because you can see how like it's the first kid that brings up to the surface these questions. And then by the second kid, you're like, oh, I know what my rules are and I know what my values are. And so it's so much easier with the second and the third and the fourth kid. So Andrea's not sure what to communicate to her daughter about her values and her expectations because we expect our kids to uphold our values. If you are a member of the Mormon church living in Provo, Utah, you don't have to wonder what to say. You don't have to wonder what your values are because the expectations around dating are so clear and they're shared by the culture around you. So for most of us, or a lot of us, this isn't our situation, right? We might struggle to really know what our values are around dating because modern day parenting, we don't necessarily share the same values as our siblings, our neighbors, even our own parents might have different values than us. And when there's no clear culture, then we've got to do a little work. We got to figure out what our values are. The most dominant culture that our kids are exposed to today when it comes to romance, dating, and sexuality is social media and whatever YouTube channels they are watching. So, and media in general. So if we don't talk to them about our values, the media is more than willing to share its values with your children. So I just want to kind of make sure you guys understand that They're already getting infused with values coming from the media. And so it is really important that parents talk to their kids about what they think is important, what their values and their expectations are, because kids need an alternate voice. You know, the media speaks really loudly, so parents can speak loudly too. Totally worth taking the time to figure it out. What are my values around romance and dating? And then communicate them to your teens. So I suggest the first step is to talk with your partner in parenting and ask, when do we think our kids should have sex for the first time? 
this is such a hot topic. And I think it's such a good, like, provoking question. Because of course, most of us think, well, never. My child is my baby. I don't know that they should ever have sex until maybe they're like 30 and (laughs) married and whatever. Like, we just don't want to think about it. And yet, if we dig down, we do want to raise children with a healthy sexual attitude. We are raising sexual beings, right? Because they're human and that puberty sets in, the hormones take over, the culture of the media is telling them what should and shouldn't happen. We just want them to have a healthy attitude and a healthy experience. And so I think asking this thought-provoking question to your partner and saying, when do you think our kids should have sex for the first time? When do I think that this is appropriate. It just helps to bring the conversation and see if you even agree with your partner. How can we communicate clear values and expectations around dating and romance if your mom and dad can't even agree (laughs) around when's the right time? Or we have different ideas from the son to the daughter, right? So of course it's hard to set rules and expectations. So I suggest first seeing if you can get some clarity around this. You know, when I asked myself this question, I thought, okay, I want first and foremost, when my kids have sex for the first time, I want it to be consensual. I want them to both want it. And I also want them to have an understanding of the consequences of the action to know that they could, you know, pregnancy could be a result, that sexually transmitted diseases could be a result, that heartbreak and emotional, you know, intimacy is something that goes along with physical intimacy. And to make sure that they're in it for the long haul, that they're having sex with a committed partner. Like I, lots of things came up to the surface once I really started thinking about it. But until that point, I hadn't really had much to say. (laughs) So really dig down and think about what, when do you think is the right time and what circumstances do you have in place? Do you think they should be married? Do you think they should be engaged? Do you think that they should be in college, you know, out of your house? Do you think that it doesn't matter? Like, you know, what do you want them to feel? All sorts of questions. So Talk to your partner, talk to your friends, talk to other super moms, ask them. I just think it's a juicy conversation topic. I am not great at a dinner party because I love to talk about subjects like sex and money and religion and politics. Bring it on. Well, maybe not politics these days. That's kind of changed. But anyways, be wary if you invite me to your dinner party. Um, okay, so that's number one is talk to your partner and ask when the, what they think. Number two is then to take these values and expectations that you've newly uncovered to your teenager and tell them what your expectations are. I expect that when you develop a sexual relationship, that you will protect yourself from pregnancy, from diseases, and that it will be with someone that you truly love and trust and that you've been with that person long enough to know that they're going to be around for the long term. I don't know. Whatever you guys think. Number three is to then ask your kid questions about their values and expectations. What are they seeing and hearing and being exposed to at school, through the media, that is developing their values and expectations around romance and sexuality? Ask your kid, your teenager, what do you think is the right age to have a boyfriend? When is the right age to have sex for the first time? What are you hearing 
from your friends at school or through the social media that feels inappropriate to you? Has anybody ever broken your trust? So this is, trust is one of these things that nobody knows what trust means until somebody violates it. Then all all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know what trust means. You know, you open your heart, tell a secret, a sleepover with your girlfriend, and the next day she goes and tells everybody. Okay, now I know what trust means (laughs) because I know the alternate. So how do you know if you can trust somebody? It's a quick question to ask your teenager. What does hooking up mean? Why do you think it's so vague? What is the benefit in keeping these vague terms around relationships? Like, oh, we're just hooking up. We're just hanging out is another term that teens used to stay away from commitment. (laughs) And what do you think about that? Why do you think people are hesitant to say, I love this person. This person's my boyfriend. What are your values around relationships? What are you looking for? If you wanted to have a boyfriend at the age of 14, what would that mean to you? So many questions you could ask your teenager. Okay, that was all the parent education answer because now we're moving into the life coaching answer, which is what gets in our way from communicating values and expectations to our teens about dating and romantic relationships? Well, the answer is easy. It's good old-fashioned fear. Fear of something bad happening, fear of letting go of control, fear of our child experiencing negative emotions, like seeing our kids get hurt. Oh, so hard. Fear of saying or doing the wrong thing as a parent. You know, like if something bad happens, I should have seen it coming. I should have said this. So it's like fear of future regret, fear of the possibility of regret, fear of uncertainty. When we try to communicate our values and expectations from a place of fear, it doesn't come out the way we want it to. We start putting our worries onto our kids because our worries usually involve past personal regret and or a catastrophic future rather than a current reality. Our kids dismiss us and they think we're crazy. (laughs) I think Andrea's instincts here are pretty good. I think she knows that she's feeling nervous and uncertain and she knows better than to talk to her daughter from this fearful energy. So better to calm down her fears on her own first, get clear on the message she wants to communicate before talking. And the best way to move past fear, well, I think is to talk it out. Obviously, I'm a huge advocate of life coaching. I think that it's just fabulous. (laughs) So talking it out with a compassionate witness, with somebody else who can like help your brain get some clarity and help you think in the way you want to think, to give you the feelings and the results you want is priceless. So life coaching is number one, but talking it out just with your partner, just with their friend, writing it down. Exactly what are you afraid might happen? Are your past teenage experiences coming into the picture? This is so common. Are you afraid of what other people will think? Do you think you won't be able to handle it if your daughter gets hurt? Are you afraid you'll be a grandma before you're ready? Like, what exactly are the fears? What is the catastrophic picture in your mind that you're imagining might happen? Write it down. Talk it out. Before you talk to your teen, ask yourself, what do I want my daughter to think about herself and her ability to navigate healthy romantic relationships? Oh, gosh, this is so good. I'm going to repeat it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Write this down, super moms. If you have a teenage daughter or a teenage son, before you talk to them, Write this in your journal. Ask them, what do I want my kid to think about herself and her ability to navigate healthy romantic relationships? This will help you guide what you say to her. When I talk to my child about my values and expectations, how do I want my child to feel? Do I want her to feel like she can, that I trust her? Do I want him to feel like I'm respecting his maturity. I'm respecting his ability to make good decisions. What do I want my child to do differently as a result of our conversation? So what action step do I want my son to take at the end of this conversation? Think about that ahead of time. And so that you can have the thoughts and the feelings aligned with the actions that you are hoping that he will take. So these questions will guide you as you enter into this new and exciting world of teenage romance. If you can communicate openly with your teen in this relaxed, non-fearful way, she will learn that you are a valuable resource and open to helping her navigate this exciting and complex world. Today's super mom kryptonite is our own past. I should say our own unhealed past. You would be amazed at how much past hurts can come back to haunt us. It's like when our kids grow into the same age that we were when we experienced something traumatic, suddenly life feels very overwhelming. Whether it was a friendship betrayal that you kind of never really recuperated from, a parental divorce, sexual abuse, or a broken heart, any unresolved issue from your past can rear its ugly head and make parenting your kids so much harder. So telling your story to a compassionate witness is step number one. If you don't have a partner or a friend who can just listen and stay neutral and offer compassion, then hire a therapist, hire a life coach. You just need to tell the story of what happened to someone compassionate. If you've done that once and you think it's still got a grip on you, then try life coaching for sure, <laughs> okay? Because life coaching doesn't keep you stuck in the same, same story. And sometimes therapy can do that when you repeat the same story over and over again. It kind of actually makes it stronger and solidifies it. And so if you feel like, mm, it's still got a grip on me, I haven't actually moved past it, then life coaching can be really helpful. So what happens in these past events is that we pick up a belief that we carry forward into our future. A belief might be people aren't trustworthy. If I had tried harder and been better and done everything right, then my dad wouldn't have left. Or every time I love someone, they leave me. It's the thoughts that when we think them over and over again, they turn into a belief that we take with us into our present and our future that get in our way from parenting the way we want to parent and being able to like allow our teenager to have this lovely, healthy, romantic dating experience and not us be like dragged through the mud and emotional roller coasters as she navigates it through, right? If we have a thought, I can't handle being hurt again, then the fear of our own hurt is going to rule us. It's going to drive us rather than us being able to like, oh, I can feel anything that comes my way. If she gets hurt, I know I can totally love her through it. 
if I that I can watch her suffer a broken heart, make mistakes, and I'll be totally fine. Like I will have compassion in droves for her and for myself. So it's these beliefs that we need to dig up, question, and then decide whether we want to hold on to them or let them go. Today's super mom power boost is a thought download. So a thought download is something, well, gosh, I've been doing it since I was 14 and I first started writing in a journal. So if anybody ever finds my journals, once I die, that I just sound like an utter loon and crazy person. And it's going to sound like my life was terrible. So hopefully nobody ever will. I should probably uh, get rid of them before I die. But one of my life coaching teachers, Brooke Castillo, coined this phrase as a thought download where you take out a piece of paper or you could write it on a keyboard, I guess, in your computer. And you just write down every crazy thought that goes through your brain and you get it all out of your head. This helps us in many ways. First, it gets our thoughts out of our heads and onto paper, which immediately gives us relief. When your head's just spinning around in circles, oh my gosh, it can be exhausting and confusing. So just to get it out onto paper makes you feel better. Second, it helps us separate out from our thoughts. So sometimes when our thoughts are just spinning around our head, it feels like they're all true and we believe them and we kind of suffer because there are a lot of negative dramatic thoughts in there like all hell's going, everything's going to hell or I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my gosh, that's the favorite one for me. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that thought does not feel good. So when that's spinning around my head, I just feel bleh. But if I write it down, I don't know what I'm doing. Then I could take a look at it and go, well, is that really true? No, of course that's not true. Or maybe it's 50% true. But if I had the thought, I know what I'm doing, I would feel much better. So we just become like neutral observers of our own thoughts. This is the benefit of meditations, being able to have thoughts but not attached to them. So writing it down on paper can be super helpful. When you read back over your thought download, you might notice that your thoughts, if you're a bit like me, can be dramatic, black and white, super mean, or not even true. When they're out of your head and onto paper, it makes it easier to access the logical parts of our brain. And so from logic, we can question, like, is this thought really true? Is it true that I'm a loser like 100% of the time, like every single day of every moment of every day? Like, really? Just because I yelled at my kids, does that mean I'm ruining them forever? You know, it just helps us to like have some perspective. So the third benefit of a thought download is it shifts you into the part of your brain that can logically question and analyze the value of these thoughts. This makes it easier to reframe them and deliberately choose thoughts that give you the feeling and the results that you want. So I highly recommend doing a thought download at least every day or every time you feel stressed, overwhelmed, nervous, if you don't know what to say to your kids, do a thought download about it and see if you can find that sense of clarity and access to the logical rather than the emotional part of your brain. Today's quote of the day is from George Bernard Shaw. First love is a little foolishness and a lot of curiosity. Best of luck to you, super moms, and your dating daughters and sons, too. 
and I will love you and leave you. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.